Hi, I'm Ryan O'Hara, CEO and founder of Pitchfire. You're listening to Take Me Off Your List, presented by Pitchfire. They pay us the big bucks, and if you use them, they'll pay you the big bucks to get paid to get pitched. Take Me Off Your List is the rally cry of millions of B2B professionals out there. This podcast tackles all kinds of things around go-to-market. So whether you're in marketing, demand gen, sales, or just like the sound of my voice, you've come to the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Hello, everyone. Today at Pitchfire, the fire died. If you're watching this video or you listen to this podcast and I have the video on and I'm going to put clips on YouTube, you might notice the screen behind me is dead. No, it's not the end of the world. My MacBook is not updating and I have no way of feeding you a fire. So we're going to have to bring the fire with someone else. Adam O'Donnell from Zendesk. What's up, Adam? Ryan, it's so good to be here, man. And I love the fire. Oh, wait, we got activity. Oh, the mo- the monitor turned on. Oh. As we said it, it was like proof of back. That's- well, I, might, I, might, I might have to re-record that intro. That was too good. No, no we'll keep it. We'll that, keep it. It, it made so, people sad. Let's, that, Let's get the error screen back. Make that's sure it's all, that's so good. Well, um, Ryan, I work on the startups program at Zendesk. We have about 20 people in our startups program. We get about 9,000 startups that apply each year. Blah, 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 blah. The, the, big, the big thing for me is like, I'm a founder at heart. And I love helping founders. And that's why I love this job. Um, I moved to San Francisco as a founder. I failed miserably, really painful. Did a short stint at a VC fund um, and learned a lot. Learned the biggest thing that I would not have invested in me. So anyways, I take all those perspectives and trying to help founders with every growth go-to-market hack that we do at, at, at Zendesk for Startups. So some people here, I feel like growth hacking was like a huge thing, like five or 10 years ago. And then it kind of like the word kind of got dirty. And now it kind of feels like it's coming back a little. If you're a founder hearing this, you're like, what's growth hacking? I don't understand that. Tell me more. Um, what is it? Like, what is growth hacking to people that don't understand? It's just basically like, you like, how would you describe it? No, that's good. And I, the word hack is not a good word because it seems like a temporary spike that doesn't lead to real revenue. <laughs> so that's that's not what I'm trying to do. Hacking, but it's, hacking's okay, by the way, if you're choking and then you hack something up, that's probably the only time hacking sounds like a good thing. And and you're freed and now you're alive instead of dead. So I love that. <laughs> but But for me, it's about finding, it's just being as creative as possible and starting with the person you're trying to help. And that's the key word is help. And then working backwards as to how, you, you can introduce your product in the most helpful way. And the, everything everything we do, it starts with the founder first and yeah. doesn't start with Zendesk. And, and I think that's why it's worked so well. Yeah, in a lot of ways, if you want to summarize it, it's selfless marketing, right? It's finding ways to not be selfish with whatever you're doing in your marketing, right? It's exactly what you do. And well, thank <laughs> you. that's really nice. <laughs> I, I, like, I'm not just trying to say that, but like you, you just you just have fun and entertain people in a world that's so cold with B2B, like standard marketing outbound inbound, and you just make it fun. And so that's like a joyful example of helping someone in the middle of the day. Yeah. And we're, you know, there's a lot of people, you know what it's like, what year did you enter the workforce? I entered the workforce in 2008. I entered the workforce in 2012. Okay. So like when I went into the workforce in 2008, really, I'd say like my first career job where I was actually like, you know, making money and stuff. Um, it just kind of felt like the world was full of khakis <laughs> and you know, well, you did khakis? Know, yeah. Like they're cat. Listen, I can pull off a mean khaki. I'm mad about saffron, but like 
the world has gotten a lot more casual, obviously, with people working from home and COVID and like this glimpse of this, like you now see where everybody lives and what they do. But like, you want that to also be in your marketing, I think a lot of the time. And a lot of these companies are way too stuffy, throwing buzzwords against like H1s at the top of their landing pages. Like it's insane what's happened today. Man, I could not agree more. It's like, be real. And, and by the way, when everyone talks about Gen AI, open, uh, open AI as a way to like help with their GTM, I think that, tell me someone who's used it that it worked for. Because I... I'm going to be the contrary person and say like, I don't want to be pitched by Gen AI. I mean, it, it's great for certain things, but when I read it, I'm not like, wow, that's really creative. I think it like jargonizes too many things and a go-to-market like cold outreach or, yeah. or kind of, so it, so it goes against everything that's already happening. Like you just said, the more casual, the more you're like, Hey, like, I'm not even I'm, like the, the best emails that we did were when we went to a founder and said like, Hey, can we introduce you to someone at Zendesk to potentially sell your product to? Or cool. could I help intro you to another VC that's in our network because we work with DCs where I used to have be in that. Like, they're like, wait, what? And they respond at ridiculous rates and you're just trying to help them. Yeah. Well, the other cool part is even if Zendesk is like, hey, I don't want to be a jerk, but your product's not a fit. You'll learn a lot talking to a big company like Zendesk that you wouldn't normally get that opportunity for. I remember when I was selling to, um, I was at Dine and I was a BDR, I was Pistel and Rep. And I cold prospected this guy that was running all of the digital properties for the NFL. And I am a football nut. Like I'm a Patriots fan. Don't hate me, everyone listening. I'm sorry. I'd, I liked them before they had Belichick. So like, I'm not a jerk. I grew up when they were kind of bad. Um, but um, you know, I, anyway, I've been a Patriots fan. I've been very lucky the past couple of decades. But I remember I was like, I want to get into the NFL. And um, I remember we got into a call with them. I actually got a response from this guy. Um, uh, I still remember the guy's name. His name was Bruce. I won't say his last name because I won't respect him. And we got into the call and he kept calling it the league. And I, we were video conferencing on like WebEx back then. And every time he said the league, he saw me do this. <laughs> like I, for people that aren't watching video, I like fist pumped, like the league. I'm like, and then he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry. But every time you say the league, I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. It's super cool. And like, he was laughing and it made it really cool. And we ended up closing the deal because like we were authentic and fun and real. But we learned more selling to the NFL on that deal than because that was like one of our first big companies that we really sold to that was really structured and traditional. But we learned a lot from just like that one deal. And I think that like if you're a startup founder listening, it's not a bad idea to like, maybe it's okay to whale hunt a little bit just to learn. Mm, that's really good. And it's, it is it is promising how many people at Zendesk are willing, high level executives, much higher than me, are willing to talk to unknown founders and be able to help them. There's something like no one's in the position that they're in without other people helping them. Yeah. And so there's just part of their heart that's like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do it. W one of the ways that I do that, and I hope that other people who are executives at, at startups do it, is I have a copy-paste template that I slack internally to the right executives. So even I, I use Superhuman in my mail and I have basically a template that pops up. If, I'm, if a founder is like, hey, can you help me? I send them, it's like literally a copy-paste. I'm like, hey, edit this. And then here's the list of all the Zendesk executives go on LinkedIn and tell me the person you want me to send it to and I'll send it to them. And, and I've had huge, you know, C-level people respond confidently to be able to meet with, with founders because of that simple approach. So if you're listening to this and you work at a big company, don't be a jerk. Help people. What are you doing? I see you That's... up there in your corporate suit with your helicopter and your bag full of money and your 
you know, taking stock photos of handshakes. We know what you're doing out there. No, um, help people. Like, I think it really helps. Zendesk has a huge, huge reputation in the startup space. Basically, if you're doing customer support and you're not using Zendesk, you're probably going to look in the mirror and cry for 10 minutes. Like, it's like, you got like, it's kind of like the standard now for what people do. Um, how do you guys stay relevant being this big now? Like, cause like Zendesk is like the, I think probably it's like, it's pretty much you guys and like the other one we hear a lot about is service now, like for like what people do. And some people are doing stuff with other providers. You're like, stop naming the competition. I'm on this podcast, no. but no, but like you have all these big companies and stuff that, that um, have been using Zendesk. You guys are still relevant in startup space. How do you do it? it man, that's really interesting. I think the biggest thing is because we just try not to forget the founder. Most people on our startup team were former founders. Some of yeah. them worked at VCs, including Salesforce Ventures, like just to give an example, Samsung Next. Um, so we, we just come from that world. We understand it. And I think we we try not to get, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, which I fall into this all the time, guilty. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's just like, hey, we we're here to help founders first. And when we have that approach, it just works. Um, Zendesk also, there's something, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm not just saying this because I work here, but there's something special about the culture of just like people are willing to help each other internally so willingly. There's just like a, hey, like we're, we're at this, you know, cool, helpful brand that was started in 2007, you know, rechanging this not cool industry. And we kind of like joked about, made fun of ourselves in that. So I think that that culture has like kind of transcended and, and we take it externally as well, which is cool. But I, um, for me, one of the specific ways I've done is I asked, uh, I, I, we have a podcast where we interview founders who have raised over a hundred million dollars and just, there's no agenda with Zendesk. We're not trying to like push our agenda, but we just talk to founders like founder of Zoom Info, founder of Outreach, founder of Zapier, Mercury Deal, and, uh, and, and ask them what they did to get to that level and how they hit product market fit. And there's literally no agenda. The irony is that a lot of times those episodes will mention customer experience and the importance of that because all those founders know that. So it's it's kind of like we come in naturally in that conversation, but we're not forcing it. Yeah, it's like subliminal. Ironically though, if you watch a video, you're just like in a full Zendesk jumpsuit. It's like that sketch in Wade's world where like, Guards wearing the Reebok jumpsuit. <laughs> and you're just, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Like, there's like, they, if people haven't seen an old movie, Wayne's World's one of my favorite movies, but like, there's a bit they do where they're talking about selling out and then they just cut the guard. They, they just do a bunch of like ripoffs of commercials, like in like 30 seconds. It's pretty funny. Um, Man. So, so podcasting is a good little growth hack that anybody can do. There's so many podcasts out there. I'll tell you something. I just started this thing. Um, I think I started my first episode November 1st. I don't care that no one's listening to it yet. Like, like we're going to get people listening. It's funny. Like you just got to keep grinding through it because eventually you do enough of these things. The thing that I really like about podcasts is a lot of them aren't current of any. So like I can put an episode out in November and it's useful next year. Like you might still go back mm -hmm. and listen to it. At Lead IQ, I did a, the prospecting podcast and like we would get north of 80,000 downloads on it, but we didn't do that till like year four. Like, and I would go check and like, see the back catalog of podcast episodes would just be like, holy crap, that thing that had 20 listens three years ago now has 20,000 listens. I'm not a piece, like I, I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not paying to even promote it necessarily. That's a great point. I mean that, yeah, if, if you're using podcasting as a channel, um, man, I've, I've been doing a personal podcast for three years and like the, the views I I was happy when we like crested 10 views for like one episode. It was like, 
Yeah. It was depressing almost, but then I kind of got out. I don't even check the numbers now. I mean, they, they've obviously grown, but I, I, for me, it's just like, I enjoy the process of doing it. And for yeah. me, it was about creating a methodical process where it's just like, you don't, it's not a question of, am I doing the podcast this week? It, it it's, it's just like, you just start to do it. Like I connect all the Zapier connections with Airtable and I had the calendar invites and everything's just kind of scheduled and it just flows. So I don't even, I'm like, oh, we had some views. That's crazy. I had no idea, but I'm doing it because I enjoy it and I'm doing it because I, I know it's going to help, but I'm not like trying to like strain it out and like make it yeah. Yeah. something. I, what do you do? Do you guys get any pressure from leadership at Zendesk? But like, what's happening with the podcast? Are we getting ROI? WTF? Man, we have an amazing team who understands the importance of brand. And that, that has been the biggest thing where it's like, hey, we're going to keep funding this because of that. But what we do track. And so like with, you know, when we do paid promotion on YouTube, we had, um, you know, one of the videos had 71,000 views that we paid to promote it. So like, it's not, it's impressive, but it's not that impressive. And we, we track all those links and if they apply to the startup program, then we're going to know. So that kind of stuff helps. Um, I think it's also being able to tell a good story. Like when, when you see a founder engage with your content on social media, I mean, I took a screenshot recently and these were like really qualified founders of companies that have raised millions, millions of dollars and they weren't yet Zendesk customers. They're engaging with our content. I'm like that, that's interesting. And so I being able to help tell that story and then, but we're still working on attribution. Honestly, that is, that is a challenge. If anyone's working on that one, there's some interesting ways to do it, but I think there's so much missed attribution, unfortunately, that is being created that we're just not tracking, but we're not going to kill the podcast to, to figure it out. We want to keep doing the right thing first. Here's a, here's a hack. I know we'll, we'll um, do, let's get a, we'll get tactical with growth hacks in a second, but here's an attribution hack that goes back to the seventies. It's super, super simple. Once a year budget, a couple thousand dollars worth of gift cards, email out your customers and say, Hey, how did you hear about us? I will get, I will pick five people and give them a $200 gift card. Just answer this three question survey. Are you happy with Zendesk? How did you hear about us? Uh, how likely are you to refer a friend? You ask those three things. It might cost you three or three to $5,000. Guess what? I just saved you money having to buy eight attribution providers. You should still get one, like still go buy one, but be like, what the thing that will usually happen, I think is you'll see people be like, some people will say word of mouth. Some people are like, oh, I got reached out to by an SDR, but like you can get a pretty good snapshot of where your pipeline came from. It usually matches up with what you used for attribution in Salesforce mm. or whatever you're using for your analytics and stuff. I love the simplest things. It's they so easy. Yeah, it's so oh, easy. We overthink so I it. I overthink it. I don't think much. you should put it. I will tell you, I don't think you should put that on lead forms. I think some companies will put that on a lead form when they like fill out. I think it hurts conversion on that end. If they're really invested and they like you and, and you can bribe them with a gift card, why not just ask them like, hey, how'd you hear about us? And you're getting um, the same percentage information that like macro information that's going to help you in general. Yeah. In fact, you might even get more than one because if you send it, let's say, for example, in the Zendesk case, you guys don't usually sell one seat. You usually sell to like a whole department or multiple departments. Um, the cool part is you might get different answers from that same account. So like if one person heard about you guys from the podcast and they pick that and a different person heard about you from a sales rep reaching out and another person heard about you from just word of mouth, you can kind of start figuring out like, huh, the podcast might not help for acquisition, but you know, what does help with expansion. Mm. And now you're not, now you're not like going to manage it being like, Oh yeah, I did this podcast. I can't prove anything. Like just go do that. Um, 
I, I think, love that. Well, yeah, like, it's so easy. I, I think every, I don't get those emails ever. I would answer them. I'm, I'm a struggling founder. I can't even afford a haircut. Look at this shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah like well, you, you're hilarious. I can get a haircut, by the way. I'm joking. I have enough money to get a haircut, but like for a little while, yeah. I couldn't. It was pretty bad. <laughs> your your humility. I think everyone should take away from that. Like, stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Um. So okay, we're gonna talk about growth hacks a little bit. So uh, you're a startup. You got to be scrappy. You got to figure some stuff out. The first thing we shared earlier was like, be real, be yourself, be human, be selfless. What are some other things that you've seen work with some of the startups you've talked to over the years? The, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I could take a, a quick word from the companies that have, I've interviewed, like the Zoom Infos and those kind of founders. I, I think we've done like 40 or 50 interviews and the the pattern recognition is, it's interesting. And honestly, it's been like selfish for me just to like know what the heck they're doing in the early days. Um, yeah. I, I mean... Th- the interesting thing is like, it's it's almost like they, it's like a reverse growth hack. Like they don't care about growth in the beginning. They care about answering the right questions at all stages of the funnel. And obviously that's leading to them hitting product market fit. But like, the, I remember one founder said, if you think you've hit product market fit and you haven't, and you try to grow, you've now, you've basically permanently killed the company. So I think it's first because, because you, you're going to, your funnel is going to go it's, your bucket's going to be completely open. And obviously uh, people aren't going to come back because they're going to have a bad memory of your name. So the challenge I think is making sure that you've actually hit it before you do anything. So that's like step one, do not try to grow. Don't try to tell VCs you're going to raise money, a lot a lot of money to try to grow when if, if you have not absolutely hit it. And that's, that's the first question. Uh, hold on a second. I have to go have an existential crisis and decide if I have product market fit yet or not. <laughs> That honestly, that's brilliant. That's really good advice. Cause if you go like, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I think I did as a mistake at request for meeting before it was pitch. So we rebranded our company request for meeting as Pitchfire. One of the reasons I wanted to rebrand is because I did a bunch of tactics that I did at a series B venture backed company with request for meeting and the product was not ready for it. Like people would sign up and like there were problems with it. We used to do a thing where like, you'd sign up for a request for a meeting and you get paid to take, go to meetings. We pivoted the business away to be like, you pay to get a response. If I didn't change the brand, I probably would have been like still in the sour milk stage and all these people with a bad taste in their mouth of the old startup that didn't have product market fit. Um, mm. And I, I think like, if you're someone that's hearing this and you're like, crap, I feel like we're already trying to do the growth thing. Maybe that's where you can rebrand a little bit. Like maybe that's an option you can take. I definitely think we ran too fast in marketing when the product and the rest of the company needed to catch up and we needed to get more insight from customers. The nice part about doing that though is like, I had a pretty bomb email list. I could get stuff to figure out how to fix the product so that we could get product market fit. Oh, that's huge. But, but it's still a painful way of going about it. I basically, it's like, it's kind of like, it's like blowing your shot. You know what I mean? Like you go and like get in an elevator with your executive and you say the wrong thing. And and you just can't go back from that. It's like you 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 try, but you're just, you look like you're coming up with excuses, and they're just like stop. Like I already I already pegged you because first impressions are that powerful. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So you talked about startup founders. The basic thing is don't grow until you're sure your product market fit. What else have you learned? Give us some other nuggets. This is good. The the other thing is uh, product market fit. From what I've heard from these founders, is it's not about a revenue amount as much as it's about the same getting. A, whatever amount of revenue 
from a similar type of customer coming to you for the same problem. Because the worst thing I think is when it's like, look, we're at a million ARR, maybe we're at 2 million, but we have like one beast of a customer that's dictating what you're doing and their mission is not going to be the mission of the company. And you have a couple of the, you're trying to fix fit in, but they're really not like a good fit. You don't have product market fit, but you have 2 million in ARR versus you have a hundred K in ARR, but they're like $200 a month deals or whatever. And they're all the same kind of companies coming to you do the same problem. And you got them through a similar channel. So, so when you, um, if, when you were talking to these startups, do they usually start with a really small group? Like, is that who they're going after? For, so like you brought up, for example, discover.org slash zoom info. Like I know the Henry's story, they fo Henry focused on like going after HR and IT only at first and people that sell to that as a group, as opposed to like, Hey, everybody could use this. Is that like part of the playbook too? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm sorry. I should have said that. That's like, it's, it seems like like if, if I'm founding a company right now, I'm getting a list of a hundred people. I'm spending a lot of time to write the perfect message for them. Like, you know, it's templatized, but you're going to take some pieces in it and you're, you're going with like the biggest, best value. One, one startup um, that has raised 25 million, they, they were on my show. They, they shared that they basically built a Chrome extension. It took them, you know, a couple weeks of time invested. And then they like, crafted those hundred messages and, he, and they made them so good that if they don't get a high, if they don't get a 50% response rate, they know that they're not selling to the right people and they're not giving them the right product. So that was the test. So it's like a month of time to get that test. It's a cold outreach on LinkedIn. It's a cold, cold email. We can all find, you know, the emails, by the way, we use launch gravity to, to help us with email sourcing. They're amazing. Just shout out. <laughs> launch gravity is a product. Yeah, it, launch uh, launchgravity.com is is a is a way to help get those emails that you want. You just tell them the emails that you want of the people and they're going to help you find them. All right. So, uh what else did you, what else have, are people doing? What what's the cool 001s, yo? That's my my cool growth hack lame thing. <laughs> man, you're hilarious. I I have to tell you, I've been annoyed a bit by the fact that it's not just this one like shiny like thing that we all have missed. It's it's it really seems like there's this other force of like, there's an uncontrollable force that, that we can't deny that. And I, I when I talk to like founders who companies were raised, like who, who are valued at like $10 billion and they're sharing, they almost have this, some of them have this kind of like, I don't fully freaking know. Like I keep drilling and drilling in, like trying to find the moment, like, and, and it's almost like it just, they, they did the right things, but there's so many people who do the right things and it doesn't work out. So there is this other force, which some people call luck, some people call God, but either way, you have to acknowledge the fact that you cannot always get there. So I think surrendering the outcome yeah. is, is just something that we all have to be okay with, with doing. And I had a hardest time doing it as a founder. That's actually a really good point. Like if you think about it, you go and reach out to, um, you might reach out to someone that could end up causing a huge domino effect of things to happen for your company. And a lot of that could just be luck, right? I mean, there's some luck in it. There, there's no way around it, man. But but I think the channels are known. I think I could tell you and list all the channels. You know the channels. Like yeah. I truly believe that. And you know how to reach them. If you're if you're the right founder working on the right problem, you know your customers. Hopefully you were that person and you know what the, what channels to come to them. So I think it's less like, I'm listening to this podcast right now to hear about these channels. It's, I think it's sitting in their shoes in, in a really powerful way, being honest about how, like, what's the, is the value good enough? Would you have responded to it? Cause I do not like responding to emails. That's why I like pitch fire, by the way, as, as a solution to help with this. But anyways, I it digress. Plugs superhuman too, which I was like, oh, that's usually a sign too. 
because that's a great product too that helps you with organizing your inbox and stuff. Non-sponsored by Superhuman. If anyone at Superhuman hears this podcast, we should hang out. I'd love to have you guys on. Thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. And watch. That's amazing. Superhuman. They're an example. They weren't trying to growth hack. They they're talking to every single. They're on their CEO is onboarding every single user for like the first. I don't know how many thousand, but I, I remember hearing that, and I yeah. was just like. How is that possible? Because they cared so much about that experience. Once you get that, the growth channels become natural, you know? I've heard a lot of people say that um, when you have a startup, to not get too caught up in thinking about like tweaks and features in the product and get more caught up in the problem and the pain and understanding that more as opposed to features. Man, that's that like so been good. a recurring theme too? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I feel like that's almost just like the base thing that they're, they're just like, they're sitting with the customer, they're interviewing them. I ask sometimes like, uh, how many customers does it take? To, how many prospects and discovery interviews did it take to see the trend? And it wasn't a hundred. It was like it was like ten. Like if you're talking to the right group, it's like oh, this comes up every single time. Um, yeah. So, but it's always around the pain. And, and of and of course, you never suggest you don't let startup you don't let uh, prospects suggest features. That's your job as the founder. Your job is to hear the pain and understand it, and then connect it, and then suggest it afterwards. I think a thing I've, I remember going through, you ever do like feedback calls with people? They're like, hey, could you give me product feedback? And you do that. And I, I get on those calls. One of the things I was thinking is like, this person could probably just sell this right now. Reveal the pain to me and teach me about it. And, and instead of like, I'm not trying to say you don't get, and the feedback would come out organically if they were doing that, as opposed to like, this is our product. Here's a screen share. Here's the tour. What do you think? Like, like I kind of feel like that that's a better way of doing it actually. That's interesting. Well, what, whatever you've done, right? Like I, when I use your product, I'm like, I, I try to be honest with founders, but like your onboarding was, was not only intuitive, but it was funny. And like the way you're mentioning like the Gmail extension in there and you're like, Hey, I know Google doesn't point it out sometimes. Sorry. It's not always there. Like yeah, you just yeah. call it, I just felt like I was with a friend trying to help me out with something instead of like this standard, you know, boring piece. So anyways, shout out to, oh, to thank that, you. Thank you. which I know um, came from a bunch of feedback. Yeah, we basically like, you know how many people would get on a call and be like, hey, there's a sidebar you can use for the Gmail plugin. And they're like, what sidebar? And, we'll, and we, then we find a lot of people never even turn that bar on. Yeah. Um, so right. there's some things we need to, we're, we're constantly getting better. You know what else I think is also like, I, one thing I, I'm not doing right now and I need to do is like, I want to write emails to everybody. Like, like acknowledging it's a group. Like, I feel like that's something that companies don't do. Like, I, you know who used to do it really well? Um, uh, Patrick Campbell at ProfitWell. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever talked to Patrick. I have. Before. Great, I've interviewed him on a podcast. He's, he's great. He's great. Yeah. Patrick used to just write stuff and the emails that they would send out at ProfitWell were like from him, acknowledging that you're on a list, talking to the list together as a group and like telling people to reply back and stuff and like, don't put CTAs and giant buttons. Have the person just reply back sometimes. It's not bad. Man, I love that. Patrick inspired me as, on the on the journey as well. Just like the way he's like, hey, just like, I'm going to be sending you these kind of emails, but just get out of it here or just tell me if you don't want to do it. And yes, I sent this from a HubSpot, you know, sequence or whatever. Like it just, it's so real because we we know you did that. Um, I I love that. Yeah, I you was, know his fingerprints are all over it. I, I honestly would like to have more of, the, our team involved in the product, we just, the hard part is finding time to do it. But I know, I know if it, it sounds crazy, but if you do little things like that every day, like injecting personality and putting yourself into it, 
it turns into a village and then it turns into a town and then it turns into a, a city. Um, and that's kind of, like, I'm not there yet, but like we did that at Lead IQ really well. And I like, I want to do that with Pitchfire. Ah, I love that. I love yeah, that. Well, not I, there yet. Not there yet, you, but we're getting there. You know what I mean? We're making I, baby steps. I know. Well, I know y'all will, but um, one, one growth hack that I just thought about this, it like, please context this for yourself. But one, one of the things that we did is we did, we did, you know, more cold outreach, but it, we connected it with a partner. So um, like, for example, we work with the DCs at, on the platform side at Zendesk. And one of the ways that we tried to help those startups is for VCs that, you know, didn't say no to this. Or, 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 we, we just basically started doing it. And then if anyone said stop doing it to our port codes, we would. But we went on Crunchbase, found the portfolio companies of a VC that we were already partnering with, meaning we had had interactions with them. They were an official Zendesk partner. And then we sent outreaches to their portfolio companies. And we did reference their VC, which might sound like, wait, that's super weird. But the VC, they have platform teams to help their startups to you know, be able to to grow faster and use great tools like Zendesk. So we were like, as long as we're not being salesy and it, we've sent so many of these emails and they have been so successful. I can't tell you how many emails, like the people responded just like, this is really helpful. Thank you. And this is the reason it's because it's not about Zendesk. We, what we do is like, I, I, I sent, we, we created a copy paste deck. I used to, yeah. I, I did a short stint at a VC fund. And so I made a deck template and said, this is a really good one. And I knew it was. And just all you do is copy paste it. It's a Google slide. There's no, you know, gated trigger. You just go in there and make a copy of it. And people are like, that's amazing. We had a list of other targeted VCs if they're, that they could reach out to. And we, we just shared a Google sheet. These were all in the email that we were saying. So we're like, we're going to help you close your round. And oh, by the way, if you do want to check out Zendesk, here's the link to try it for six months free. Just happened, just happened to be here. No big deal. You know what? You kicked me off with an idea of, um, so when people join Pitchfire, they're technically a member in our marketplace for people not watching video. I just did air quotes. Um, you're like kind of getting me down this rabbit hole of like, you ever, do you have AAA? I don't anymore, but I, my parents did. Yeah. I, so I have AAA in new, new England, obviously like you get rain or snow, you get a pothole and you get a flat tire. Like, yeah. You know, it stinks and you have to get your car towed and stuff. And AAA does this stuff. Look at this. Not sponsored by AAA should be on this podcast. Thank you, AAA. Um, but like, you, there's actually a lot of perks you get with AAA that people don't know about. You can get discounts at certain restaurants and stores and things like this. In New England, there's a stretch of, in New Hampshire, of 40 miles where there's like over 100 antique shops. And all of them have discounts if you're a AAA member. Like, really? there's like all this crazy stuff that I never would have thought of. And when we were talking about the, Zendesk for startups program. Um, you start making my brain turn about like, what if I could like just make a bunch of perks for people that are in Pitchfire? Like that's an easy thing to do. And all these companies would do it because they're like trying to get in front of buyers anyway. And now like I'm thinking out loud here, but this is something you could go steal and do at your startup too. Um, a lot of ecosystem distribution partners do like affiliate links where they get paid like money for it. Do it for free to help your customers out. That's exactly, and, and the partners love it and then they'll do it for you as well. We do these things called newsletter exchanges or just deal exchanges where we have partners, they're, they're listing us on yeah. their perk books. We have a perk book. We host it on Airtable. We're transferring to Built First. Uh, shout out to Built First, not sponsored by Built First. But basically, <laughs> it, it, it's just a way to host perks if you want to do it. But if you created a perk book and you offer it to your startups, then that's a way to help partners. And now they have a reason to help you. And they'll, they'll do the same thing with you. So the best thing that I found is that when someone signs up for your product, 
send them an email, say, Hey, by the way, here are five or whatever other offers that we, that we can help you get that might be relevant to you. And then those five are the same startups that are, those are, those are the companies that should be promoting you as well. And you should ask them to do it and they probably will. So that's been a huge channel like that I work on at Zendesk. And then they do the same thing for you guys too, right? Is that how yes. it is? So like you do some cross-pollination. Um, if you're listening to this, by the way, and you're starting at zero, let's say you're like, I'm a startup founder and I have no friends. My email list has no one on it. One of the easiest things you can do, if you're a founder, you're probably an expert in whatever you know about, like the area that you're selling or that you should be, if you're not like hire someone that is to help you, but like go offer yourself to these bigger companies and start doing activities with them. And then you can cross pollinate lists together. Be like, hey, I'll do this webinar if I get a list and I'll promote it to my people too. Even though your list is really small, it's fine. Um, you go do that thing for them. You're helping them do work and produce content. You make that content, you get your email list up and then go do it with another company next month. And you can slowly kind of build up your own community, leveraging existing communities that are already out there today. Like that's a pretty easy growth hack to go if you're starting from zero. That's so good. And people are willing to do that. It just like, there's something about two plus two, it doesn't equal four. <laughs> or excuse me, one plus one does not equal two in the partner world that it equals maybe five or 10 from my experience. Because it, it just seems like less salesy when you're coming with a partner. Too. Yeah. It's like we're reaching out and like Pitchfire and Zendesk coming together to reach out to this startup to help them. Like, it's just like, oh, this is different. It's not just about Zendesk or just about Pitchfire. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a great call. Honestly, I w- one of the things I wish is I always hear um, people say that it's a good idea to like, if you have a tight partnership with somebody to actually just like, we had Braden Young on from Sendoso. They had a partnership with Engageo uh, when Sendoso first launched. That's how they got their first hundred customers. And Braden was telling me they literally made, they made their office inside Engageo's office to like make that partnership successful. Like Ah. go, go great legs with another company. If they have an audience and they have a group that's already following them, like you can live off that and get your company going that way. I love that. That brings me to the the last point I was going to make is know this, know where you are in the tech stack purchasing sequence of a startup. So for instance, you buy a marketing automation tool before you buy a customer support tool, You, you get a bank account before you get anything. So just if you go and find the partner that's right before you in that sequence, then they're going to send you a lot of deals. The challenge is that you're probably not going to be able to send them as many, but if you pass it along, you'll, you'll find ways to help the ecosystem and, and everyone will rise. Oh, I bet, I bet you that's like what Mercury and Silicon Valley bank and all these companies did on the banking side is they just like went to all these partner ecosystem people and be like, Hey, give the members discounts and they'll pick our bank over like bank of America or Merrill Lynch or one of those big companies. I I interviewed a mod from Mercury on the podcast and asked how they grew and well, yeah I they they were so creative and we work with them as well um but they they came up with every creative strategy his biggest growth by the way in their early days was a tweet that he did about startup banking so it's interesting that that channel just blew up for them yeah I I, I was also thinking about um yeah another one that's really good um have you ever talked to like Sam Blon uh, from Brex he's now at um I think he's at Insight Partners now but no, I haven't. Yeah. Sam would be a great guy to talk to. Anyone listening, go follow him on LinkedIn. Sam actually was one of the first people I talked to about Pitchfire uh, early on because he's friendly and stuff. Brex had such a great playbook for launching as like a, a credit card company for startups. Like they just like bombarded every billboard in Silicon Valley, like everywhere. They did like a full takeover for it. So they kept seeing it. And um, one of the things that I always hated was like, I hate expense reports. <laughs> and like they did a whole campaign about expense reports like 
like, you know, having to take a picture of a seed and send it back and all this stuff in an app at the end of the month. And like their big app that they did is they literally just text you and say, send the receipt. We got this charge. And you just took a picture of it right when you did the charge. It was so brilliant, easy and amazing. And all it did was make me tell everybody to go use Brex. Not because sponsored it, by not sponsored by Pitchfire. <laughs> Brex, I love that because you had such a hatred to that thing that you were like, no, this is like, it's my noble duty as a good citizen to, to help with this problem. My, my, um, I'm really friendly with the guys at uh, Navon, formerly Trip Actions, and they have a great expense product. But like, I always joke that the sign that your company is getting too big and it's time to go is when they buy Concur. Because <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just work, man. It's just work. It shouldn't be work. I can't believe we still have to do it. Where's AI? Why is not AI taking this job for me? <laughs> so good. So good, Ryan. This has been amazing, man. Yeah, we we definitely um, we definitely have to have you come back on here. We're just like kind of jamming around here. But if you're listening to this, let's get let's walk away with one big. If you could give one more takeaway for people, so that they feel wholesome and whole, and they're not mad at me for not having my video in the background just to monitor that it failed us. If you're watching the video, if you're listening to the podcast, don't worry, you're not missing out on much. It's great. Um, what what would be like? What's what's been like the the it like? What's your favorite part? of trying to grow out the startups program for Zendesk? Like, what do you mm. like the most? That's good, man. I, I think it is, it's like, we, I, I started taking screenshots when I get feedback from people who are just saying like, thank you. Like they're not, they're just like, man, you helped me so much with, with X, you know, either getting an intro to a VC or, or meeting a customer or just some advice that they saw on the podcast or something. And for me, that that's more important than my, than getting, paid at Zendesk. It's, it's, I I've even like jokingly said this, that it's like more important than me selling them Zendesk because, because you have to care about something bigger than the thing that you're working on yeah. because you, otherwise you're technically not caring about the person. You're not able to be authentically helping the person you're, you're at, you're marketing to. So for me, I'm like, no, I actually want the best for you. And maybe that's Zendesk, but maybe it's something else. But at the end of the day, I want I want you to walk away from your experience with me feeling like, wow, they helped me. And like my, my North star is just help founders. It's just help founders. That that's, that's what I want to do. Who cares what happens afterward? Just help them. It's put some good juju out there in the world. Right. That's man. That it, it, it just, yeah. And, and I just do it authentically. I don't, I don't try to track it coming back to me. It, it does work. It's ironic, yeah. <laughs> but man, that's, that's it. And people just sense it and it will, things will, good things will happen at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Whether that startup fails or not and be okay with that. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't have the pride that it has to don't do what I did, which is I put my identity in being a founder. And so when I, when it failed, I was like crushed. It, it was, it's like, Hey, I'm going to work on this test and see how it works. And I'm going to be authentic, like a, like a science, like a good scientist. I'm not trying to skew the data and we'll see what happens. And if it works, it, it's great. We're going to iterate all those things, but, but make sure you can, you can hold it like that. I think you'll have a much better outcome. And that's what I keep seeing. It's these founders didn't, they were like, Hey, I tried it. We're going to see if it works. If it didn't, then, it, you know, we, I was going to stop and I would go find another job. So, yeah. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Adam O'Donnell, bringing it home, hitting us in the hearts. I'm, I'm going to cry. If you listen to this episode, by the way, and you haven't checked out Pitchfire yet, I'm not mad at you. It's not personal. You should go check it out. Like we're, we're trying to help buyers and sellers connect. I remember when I was a sales rep in the early days in 2010, it was so terrible to cold email people and never hear back from them. I always felt really bummed out. We're trying to get rid of that whole experience. And on the buyer side, we're trying to cut down those interruptions. You got, you know, you got to go buy Superhuman and get these different apps to try and like hide away and be Howard Hughes. And like, I know what you're doing. I know those jars of 
pissed outside <laughs> the movie theater in her weird long day. This is getting weird. Weird podcast. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but you guys know the image. If you've seen it or you know about it. Anyway. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, go check out Pitchfire. We could help you a lot with like helping you get some extra income and also helping salespeople at the same time. Um, thank you so much for being on here, Adam. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.